breakfast show. Wake up, Rick. Good morning. <laughs> well, you really sound like you literally just <laughs> woke up. <laughs> You're here with Mon and Rick today, uh, filling in for Lyle and Lawson, who are on leave, and they've got the Ronas. Well, Lawson's got the Rona. Yeah, kids. yeah keep kids, praying yeah. for him. He's, he's been hit hard by that one. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, Rick, your eyeballs are hanging out a bit. No, no, I, I wake up so early, um, about 4.30. Um, I really? Always, I always preempt the alarm by about an hour and a half. Why? <laughs> uh, just my mind doesn't slow down enough. But do you, do you do that thing where you then get up or do you try and sneak no, in like another hour? No, no, I, I'm worse if I try and sneak yeah, in. Yeah, true. So I'll get up and read, have a, have a, a, a cup or something, just mm-hmm. do something, and uh, my lovely little doggy. Sits with me. Oh, you got a doggy poodle. You got you have a poodle, and you haven't brought him to the studio for me to meet. Tessa the eighth. I don't think I like you anymore. Can we get rid of this guy, please, producer Shell? Can we fire him because he hasn't brought his dog in? Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you a pic, and then oh, we will arrange a meeting. Okay. Wonderful. I'm so happy. I really, really love dogs. Like yeah. probably my favourite animal, along with squirrels. Oh, seriously? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, look, you know, the old TGF, but thank goodness it's Friday. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's something special of it. There's something special spiritually, physically, holistically about Friday, Sabbath. Yeah. Your body uh, it, really just feels it. That rest time. Yeah. yeah. Coming up, coming up indeed. Yeah. Yep. Very happy Sabbath this weekend, I reckon. A lot of people didn't get a good bit of rest. So, oh, yeah. 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 I'm actually really grateful. I just, I had a bunch of stuff that I was grateful for. But just then, as I was driving into the studio, I went past the, the empty lot next door and I saw a mummy kangaroo feeding a little baby Joey. And then as I went by with my bus making a big noise, he got a little bit of fright. It was uh, like, oh, and it jumped into the pouch and they hopped away, which, you, like, you know, Australians have seen kangaroos all the time, yeah. but you rarely ever see the little Joey going in the pouch. Well, Mon, thing. every morning and evening. Aww. Just across about twenty meters from the front of our house, where we sit out in the front, we have kangaroos. Oh, I'm so jealous! So you have to come up and have a seat. You got lots of animals. See going our puppy on. and our kangaroos. Okay, I might just have to come. I'm just going to follow you home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to get rid of me. No. Hey, send us a text. Tell us what you're grateful for this morning. We'd love to share on air. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is time for our pentathlon quiz. Also getting your brains kicked into gear this morning. As you know, first question is worth 100 points and the points increase down to the last question, which is worth 500 points. And each question has its own prize attached. So the first question is worth, uh, if you call in, it's, uh, you get a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker. Second, you get a issue of Science Magazine. The third question, you'll get a pocket sermon the fourth question, you get the bargain book of the day. And the fifth question, if you get that one right, you get the book of the day. But if you get all of them right, mm-hmm. you get all the prizes, all of them, little goodie bag of prizes. Uh, so you can send in your answers as we go. DJ Shell will keep track of them for uh-huh. you. Just let her know if you want to tap out and claim the prize at wherever you get up to. So time for question number one. Where were the three faithful young men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sent to die for not obeying the king. Hmm. Where were the three faithful young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego, sorry, sent to die for not obeying the king? They're not regular names, are they? No, no. Shake the bed and make the bed in Abednego. <laughs> That's how I remember it. <laughs> but that one's worth 100 points. And I'm not going to lie, these questions will get harder as we go along. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the oh, number to call, 0491 064 669. You can text or call us. 
And, uh, yeah, have a crack at that quiz. See if you can figure it out. Have a look in the Bible if you want to look up the answer. That's not cheating. That's all right. We allow that. Yeah. Just don't tell us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't Google. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rick, tell us, what is happening in the world of good news? Well, Share some good news with us. Well, it's 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 sort of a good news. Um, it, it's a bit of a mix here at the moment. But I was reading an article on why do we find making friends so hard as adults? Oh. Can I share a bit of that? It's fascinating, yeah. especially with COVID. Yeah, that's COVID. a great question. Um, have you ever tried to make new friends as an adult? Um, and loneliness, they're suggesting at the moment, is at an all-time high. Yeah, it really So is. I found this really interesting. It just seems that making friends is plain hard for a lot of people. Because yeah. at school, we were on monkey bars. There was mm-hmm. no pretense. I mean, I mean, school, you have your issues. You have your little in-groups, your clicks. But I can remember at school, it was just like, Hello, how you go? Yeah, and and, and it was all your friends. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we need friends, and while old friends are golden, nothing stays the same forever. People move away, people change their experiences, lives, etc. But loneliness, we know, can be lethal. It can That's actually true. be lethal. Yeah. Did you, Did you realize? I had no idea of this. I was reading an article that the loneliness. Abject loneliness can have the impact of 15 cigarettes a day on mortality rates. What? Yeah. Psychologically. Psychologically. Man, I thought sitting was the new smoking, but maybe loneliness is the new smoking. Yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned with COVID, um, it's just that in many countries, loneliness now, the measuring is at um, epidemic proportions. Mm. Um, Before COVID, around a third of Australians reported feeling at least one episode of loneliness since COVID and the disruption to work, social lives, etc., surveys find now that 54% of Australians are reporting loneliness. Yeah, wow. So that's, that's really fascinating. And have a, guess what, have a guess what you might think is the major reason why adults struggle to make friendships. Uh, is it because we're all awkward? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That was for 100 Is points, folks. We, we're all awkward. We hate each other. Um, look, that it's probably in the mix somewhere, but it's actually... Is it because a, it's difficult to break in? Like people usually have their set of friends and it's difficult to break in and, and be the new person? That could be part of it, but the central reason is a lack of trust. Oh, okay, yep, yeah. People find it harder to put their trust in someone new yeah. and fully invest in them as compared to when we were younger. Yeah, we were more naive. We didn't have mm-hmm. all those blocks. We're and, not jaded. Uh, yep, yeah, and levels of 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 of, of being rejected or that. Mm-hmm. So so when we meet new, I mean, when you meet a, do you know it takes us only what are the, what are they psychologists suggest three, three to four to five seconds is it to make our opinion up oh, about really? someone. Wow, we are so judgmental. Aren't we, we are. <laughs> we are abjectly uh, um, judgmental, and once that picture is made up in our mind. It takes a lot longer to remove it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so that, that's that, that makes sense. Like that, the, the distrust is the underlying issue. Like, yeah. Now that you've said that, it's a it's a big one because that would affect everything, really. That's why people try to keep their friends as long as they can. Mm. Now I've started to link why it's so emotionally um, traumatic for people when they lose old friends because there's a whole area of trust and relation oh. that's been developed, and the unknown fear of where now. Creating new friendships, and it's a really difficult one. Uh, women were more likely than men to say they didn't make new friends easily because they struggled to trust others even more. So that's wow. that's a gender differentiation, which I found. That's interesting. So what is it about 
Adulthood, we were just talking about this. As adults, we have greater self-awareness than children. Mm-hmm. While that's often positive, it also means we're aware of the risk of being judged by others, not being liked or rejected or being hurt. Um, and so it goes on, it goes on and shares thoughts about how we can get around that. But I just thought that was an interesting perspective with COVID and what's going to happen down the track if there's more of these issues, how do folk navigate? And I was, I was thinking, um, Mon, oftentimes we, we, think about, we think about church as simply a place where we go to get fed, a spiritual It's not, folks. It's yeah. really about community. Absolutely. It's, and, and we need to de- – I, personally, I, I feel we need to explore these avenues of community as deeply as we can. Don't forsake the fellowship of getting together. Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do, I do think that mental health issues, like stuff like loneliness, is the it's going to be the pandemic after the pandemic. We're already experiencing just you know record numbers of mental health issues, yeah. loneliness, depression, anxiety, um, and I and I definitely think that to, the, provi- being able to provide community absolutely is like the superpower of churches. You go there; it's a body of believers. You know, they basically believe the same thing. You have that. Um, the same lowest common denominator, so to speak, that binds you together. And it brings you in contact with just a variety yeah. of people. Like I've often thought throughout my Christian Christian walk that I'm friends with so many people that if I wasn't a Christian, I'd never have anything to do with them because we're just so different. But it's our love for Jesus that yeah. binds us all together. And it's made me a better person interacting with all these different, you know, characters and personalities from all around the world. And a lot of church communities that are really reflecting uh, we've done it at our little community, is saying, what have we lost? What can we gain through this COVID experience? Um, what don't we want to lose again? Mm. Uh, and we've found that folk have fallen through the cracks in the board a little bit, and, yeah. and the whole ministry space yep. is so important to reconnect. We just can't be islands for too long, Mon. That's right. No man is an island. Yeah. Do you know, loneliness is something that really touches my heart because I just feel like it's something that's so easy to fix. Like it's not like a you know a broken leg or cancer or something like that. It's like all you need is to is to reach out and be yeah. friends with someone. And you know, I think it's up to all of us. Like even if you're not personally experiencing loneliness, you know, keep in mind that someone else might be, and yeah. just to reach out, spend time with people, yeah. invite them out, and be inclusive and <clears throat> invite everyone to something. You know, yeah. you know, have have dinner at your house and invite and, and people be, over and be relaxed with people because yeah. if, if trust is the is trust is a major issue. How can we as individuals in Jesus particularly um, sit with people in a place where where it becomes a trust place? Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? How Good do we question. build those little bridges? Mm-hmm. How do we build those roads together yeah. that make people feel comfortable, us comfortable, so that so that it's a meaningful sort of relationship? Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm very disturbed. I I want my I want my church. I want my communities to be able to say to really th- seriously think about those issues. Yeah. How do we really relate to each other? I I remember when I was uh, younger and I did a lot of um, like leadership training and that kind of stuff for summer camp and so forth. And uh, and they taught us how to make friends. And you know, there's a list of questions you can ask, you know, about the person's family and their education, that kind of stuff. Yep. But one of the tips that I I remember because it was like a, it was like a list of things you could do, and yeah. you just follow them through. But the one that I remember that I'm still using as an adult, and I find it to be very effective, is actually it's, it sounds a bit weird, but to ask somebody for help. Yeah. So I, I particularly like one of my favorite stories when I use this was um, when I went to college and. 
lady who was living the girl across the uh, hall in the dorm across the hall, she was a bit, a bit of a prickly person and didn't mm-hmm. want to be friends with me. And I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to make friends with her, <laughs> whether or not she likes it. And so one day I went over there and I asked her to cut my hair, ah. which if you don't know, in girl talk, that's like asking for big trust. And uh, and we've been best mates ever since. There you so, go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, maybe just ask someone for a favour. It, it shows that you trust you? them. Yep. It shows that you trust them, and then in response, they will trust you back. So yeah, make a friend, be a friend. Yep. Um, we were listening to Faith FM Breakfast Show. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You're here with Rick and Mon. It is time for the second quiz question this morning. This one is worth 200 points. Give us a call if you think you know the answer. You've got to be quick, though. What kind of tree did Zacchaeus climb in order to see Jesus? Mm. What kind of tree did Zacchaeus climb in order to see Jesus? I reckon it was a wooden tree. <laughs> Give it away. <laughs> Wooden tree. Did it have branches? <laughs> what about leaves? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you'd like to be in the winning for that. Don't forget it's a pentathlon quiz, so if you keep going all the way through, you can actually get all the prizes, or you can tap out at any point and pick up the prize for that particular question. Rick, this morning. Yes. Do you know what happened yesterday? Do you know what yesterday was? Yesterday was for most of the day Thursday. <laughs> yeah, too clever, Rick. <laughs> it was, but it was also 77 years since the liberation of Altswitch. Ah. Yeah, and wow. that piece of news came out that actually shocked us that a quarter of Australians don't even oh, know yeah. what Holocaust yeah. is, which absolutely just shocked me because you know that famous saying, those who don't know history are destined to yes, repeat it. Absolutely. And, um, and I think it's quite frightening that the kids these days don't seem to even know what Holocaust is. So I've prepared a special segment for this morning. Um, I have on the line Dr. Rebecca Kummerfeld. She is the head of education at the Sydney Jewish Museum. She has a PhD in education history. She's managed five museums around the world. She's passionate about teaching through objects and stories, and she is personally the, the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. And uh, she's joining us this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Kummerfield. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you on, on air. I did I did for this piece. I just, Rick, I just want to do like a basic educational piece. Like what is the Holocaust? So, Dr. Kummerfield, I was wondering if you could fill in our listeners. Oh, by the way, Dr. Kummerfield, are you, are you as surprised as we were that people don't seem to know what the Holocaust is anymore? Look, the survey was concerning for sure, but it's not entirely surprising. I think um, – a lot of people haven't had access to good Holocaust education. So without that, how can you expect people to know? Um, you Good know, point. the Gandalf survey, it did also show that um, 70% of Australians could correctly identify the Holocaust as a genocide or mass murder committed against the Jewish people. So, I mean, I'm a glass full sort of person. I think that actually seeing that 70, 70% of Australian adults did know that um, is not terrible, but obviously there's a space for us to do better in our education. And I think our time to do better is now. Dr. Cornfield, <laughs> please give us a history lesson. <laughs> Look, it's tricky, I have to say, and this is part of why I think we need to do good work to support our teachers because teaching the Holocaust is complicated and it's um, quite a sensitive history. I mean, this is, when we talk about the Holocaust, we're talking about um, the rise of Nazism from 1933 till 1939 and then the Second World War from 1939 to 1945, 
when um, during which time uh, the final solution, which refers to the genocide committed against the Jews, occurred. So two-thirds of European Jewry were murdered during the Holocaust. So it has really changed the shape of the um, world's Jewish community uh, in Australia. And this is, this is a fact that the survey found that less than 10%, just 7% of Australians knew um, that in Australia, two-thirds of the Australian Jewish community after the war were Holocaust survivors. We had a huge influx of refugees and migrants um, because many of them didn't want to go back to the places they'd been because it reminded them of um, the anti-Semitism and the hatred they had known. Um, and it also uh, was physically not safe. You know, yesterday, and one of the incredible things I get to do in my job is work with Holocaust survivors. Um, yesterday, every Thursday, I get to see Jack Meister. Jack is a volunteer at the museum. He's been volunteering every Thursday since 1992 when the museum opened. Wow. And he comes to the museum to share his story. Um, he was born in a little town in Poland called Kelsa. And throughout the Holocaust, as a, as a young as a child, he missed out in high school. Thing. He was put into a ghetto, a place where Jews were separated from society and forced to work for slave labor. So as a 13-year-old boy, that's where he was put um, with his family. And then shortly after that, he was separated from his family, um, taken to a labor camp in um, Radom. And he never saw his parents or his brother again. Um, from there, they took him to Auschwitz, where he also worked in a place called Buna. Very hard labor. It was really pretty grueling conditions. A lot of people um, in these places died because of the conditions. Um, they weren't given proper food or sanitation or clothing or warmth. Um, so even if it wasn't part of the method of the gas chambers, as people are probably more familiar with, a lot of people died in other ways. But my point in bringing up Jack is that at the end of the war, um, still a child, he was actually taken to recuperate and um, to recover in hospital in Switzerland. And someone, a social worker, came to him and tells his story, them saying, you know, we can we can help you get back to Poland, to the town that you came from. And this is 1946, a year after the war has finished. And he has been reading the newspapers and he discovered that the town he came from a year after the Holocaust finished, 42 Jewish people who had gone back to try and rebuild their lives were murdered by the local townspeople. Um, so anti-Semitism continued after the war um, and he just knew that that wasn't something he wanted to do. There was nothing for him back there and that's why he chose Australia. He said, he looked at a map, and Australia was the furthest place away that he could see. He might not have seen New Zealand, um, but he, it was the farthest place he could see, and so he decided that he wanted to come here. Um, and look, I think we're really fortunate that he did. Um, like so many Holocaust survivors who came and built Australia to be, um, you know, contributed in some small part to what we are today. I had no idea <clears throat> that so many um, mm. survivors came here to seek a new, to seek refuge and a new life. That's incredible. I didn't. I mean, I knew that. Like, what was it? Like six million Jews were, were murdered, and it, like during the Holocaust, we didn't so realize so six many million came Jews were murdered. Yeah, six million Jews were murdered during the Holocaust. Around six million. I mean, the numbers. It's very tricky to identify this yeah, stuff. Historians have lots of very clever approaches, but they between five point five and six million. But most people say six million. Um, yeah, were murdered during the Holocaust. So that's two-thirds of the Jews that lived in Europe before the war. Wow. 
So, and I guess that's another important thing that I often tell students, you know, um, when we meet survivors, which is such an important thing to do, and I really encourage anyone who has the opportunity to come to the Sydney Jewish Museum and talk yeah. to a survivor. Yeah. These people are in their 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, it is unfortunately not going to be much longer that we have the opportunity to do this. No. Um, but they really make history real. Like, there aren't many periods in history you can go and talk to someone who lived it and find out what happened to them. It's quite extraordinary. And I know anecdotally, um, and in fact, the, the Gandal survey put a number to the anecdote that I know that it's a powerful experience. The people they surveyed, the 3,500 people they surveyed, 88% said that going to a Holocaust museum like the one I work at is a, a really important, meaningful educational experience. Yeah, so that's heartening as well. Yeah, those that stories, those stories that they mm. share, yeah. Can you just, like, can you briefly maybe explain to people what the motivation for the Holocaust was? Like, like we understand six now that six million, around 6 million Jews were murdered, but why were they being murdered? Look, it's an excellent question, and I think, you know, classic art, answer a question with a question, I think, it's hard to know why discrimination exists anytime. Uh, why the Jews? It's a perennial question that I think we're always going to yep. come up against. The fact is that anti-Semitism has existed for many hundreds of years. Um, and so the Nazis took, you know, Hitler took power in 1933 and they took these undercurrents of anti-Semitism and they really um, gave them light and, and grew them <clears throat> and allowed it to escalate. So, uh, why exactly? I don't know anyone that anyone can give you the answer. And um, there's lots of suggestions. Maybe it was because they needed a scapegoat. You know, if we think about Germany in 1933, this is a place that had um, suffered the hum- humiliation of losing the First World War and being blamed for it. That's not a nice feeling for the country and especially people who served. And then you also have. Um, that this is after the Great Depression, there's great recessions in Germany, life is pretty hard. And so I think sometimes it's easier to to find a scapegoat for your problems than to face up to them. Um, and so here comes along Hitler, a dictator who says, look, it, these people are responsible for the bad things, but let me tell you, and this is the other thing we don't often pay attention to, Hitler was great at telling the Germans that um, – they were they were perfect human beings. You know, he had this whole racial theory, this ideology that Germans were these Aryan, these perfect humans, and that's quite compelling. You know, sometimes say to people, if someone came up to me, if my politician came up to me and said, Rebecca, you are a perfect human being. I mean, I want to hear that. I like that story. And so this is something that Hitler did, and it really um, it was the right message at the right time for the German people, um, but unfortunately the wrong message. Um, for all those who were discriminated against. And it wasn't just Jews. Um, Roma and Sinti, sometimes referred to as gypsies, were also targeted. People with disability were actually the first people in Germany to be murdered because they also didn't fit into the racial ideal. Um, also Afro-Germans, um, and we know um, homosexual men and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses because they would not serve for the German army because they're pacifists. So, this is definitely um, one of the... 
darkest chapters of our history. And we thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kummerfield, for shining a light. We need yeah, a part we, two. We do need a part <laughs> two to this. Come to the museum. Visit yes. our website. There's plenty more information. Yeah, so the, Jewish, uh, the Sydney Jewish Museum is down in Darlinghurst, 148 Darlinghurst Road. If you don't know about the Holocaust, please educate yourself. We do not ever want to see this yeah. repeated in our history. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Rebecca. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back to Faith FM. I'm going to smack you around the ears with the third quiz clue question, I should say. Who was called Israel's teacher but had a secret meeting with the best teacher of all? Who was called Israel's teacher but had a secret meeting with the best teacher of all? Give us a call, 0491 We're now going to hear an interview, Rick, that I think you recorded previously, like a couple of days ago you did this one. Yeah. Yeah, let's line that up, DJ Shell. Play that interview. Oh, how are you going, Luke? Good to have you on the line. It's my first time to talk to you, to meet you. Uh, but I understand from our little conversation about some of the things you're involved in. Uh, how are you doing? Mm. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for the thanks for the welcome. It's always great to meet meet somebody new. And yeah, thanks, oh, yeah. thanks for having me on the show. Great to have you. Mm. So part of what you do are these are these monthly podcasts, uh, and you have conversations. I, I think you mentioned conversations that you wish you could have at church. Now that just gets me excited to think about that. Tell us a bit about that. So yeah, uh, it's actually a weekly podcast. But yeah, the reason or the way we sort of frame that is because there's a lot of things that you don't get to chat about at church that are either because people are shy to talk about it there or, you know, a lot of times, especially in COVID times, either people aren't able to get to church yep. and you don't have the opportunity to have a deep conversation with yep. people. Yep. And so we've been doing this podcast since 2016 and we just have been taking that idea of let's talk about the things that are really deep and really important. And we've, one of the, the unintended side effects is that the people that are around the table when we do this, you know, we've built this great relationship and great friendship that we have and we hope that other people will hear what we do and be able to have those conversations around their own tables and be able to be inspired to build those relationships in their circles as well. What a great idea. So, Luke, do you have the same sort of people involved in these conversations every week? Do you have different people come in? How does it work? Yeah, so we have a few people that are like the core group and they're always the same. And then we have like one or two uh, that are less regular uh, coming in as uh, as opportunities present. So oh, what, what a great idea. Yeah, yeah, the three three are normally a maximum of five usually. So, yeah. You've got me hooked already because being in pastoral ministry and for so many years and just the nature of having conversations, I wish you could have at church. Just for my benefit and perhaps mm. those who are just tuning in for the first time, what, are, mm. what sort of topics have you been covering? And you've been going for what? You're in your sixth year, so every week mm. that is a lot of topics. It, it is. It is. And, you know, that just that part of it is really interesting. We kind of thought when we started that we'd run out of topics eventually and that would sort of be it. But, you know, we're this far in and there's no sign of that happening. So we're actually, uh, just to give you an idea of some of the ones that we've been dealing with uh, over the last uh, month or so, uh, we did a, an episode around Christmas. We talked about the kind of Christmas that Jesus would celebrate yeah. if he was here. Yeah. What would that look like? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of competing viewpoints on that. Oh, yeah. So and, yeah, we and, had a great had a great discussion. How long do your conversations go for? They they range anything from say forty minutes to an hour. So that's sort of the, the range typically. <laughs> it's like it's like a big lesson study, isn't it? Just with a with a. Do you have a Do you have a program content like, or, or is it just something that streams up through conversations? Does it carry on from one week to another? Uh, if there's a topic, if there's a, a lot of questions I'm asking here, but if there's a topic that yeah. you're really interested in, does that flow mm. flow into another time? 
Yeah, often if there's something that is a, a conversation that's a lot bigger than what we have time for to do in a single session, we'll sort of like intentionally break it up and say, okay, well, let's deal with this part of it in this conversation and then we'll sort of deal with the rest of it where, you know, next time or if we're going a long time, we'll say, okay, well, let's just stop it there and we'll, we'll pick up next time. But generally what we, um, what we tend to find is that if we structure it too much, it becomes like, uh, you know, there's five people all taking their turns at having a sermon, you know, and so yes, we, we don't, yes. we don't structure it too much, yep. but we all sort of have our own time to think about and prepare through the week. And it's more like we come to the table. We're all pretty excited to share, you know, what we've been thinking about the topic or learning from yes, the others, what they've yep. done. So that's kind of the, the approach that we come to it with. So you're sort of working through a topic you can think about and reflect about, but, but it's informal enough to let it float and not be stuck. Exactly, exactly. One of the things that uh, I don't know about our listeners, but anybody else that uh, feels this way, a lot of content that's produced, especially by official church organizations, you get the feeling that, you know, it was the whole thing is is structured and that the information might be accurate, but it doesn't feel organic to me. And so that's one of the things that's important to us that what we are displaying is genuine conversations that we would want to have with each other, not just uh, produced message where we all know the conclusion that we're trying to get to, we kind of find it as we go through the discussion. Yeah, look, I I just think that's such a healthy way of learning, a healthy way Mm. of dialoguing that opens up. So, so um, I I guess we're going to get on to uh, what what you've been what you've been what you've been discussing. But the process to me is so valuable. Do you find Mm. do you find that uh, a diversity of opinions? um, uh, A lot of people would probably be thinking, but there's got to be a consensus somewhere. No, 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 not necessarily at all. Do you go? do, Do you find yourself your group goes away thinking? It just seems to me such a reflective process. Do you find yourself going away thinking, I've got to think some more about this? Yeah. Look, a great example of that. And look, by the way, I just want to, want to call out, I love the line of questioning that you're going, Dad, because this is like, the, the topics are interesting, but this is fascinating and no one hardly ever asks these questions. Um, <laughs> so the, <laughs> the answer to that is that, uh, I, I said a great example. We did an episode on euthanasia as yes. an example of that. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a really thorny topic. And a lot of people have really strong opinions on it. And at the table, like I would probably say there was, uh, I think five or six people in that conversation and probably four of them were in agreement, agreement. One was on the fence and the other one, you know, was in disagreement. So it was kind of, we didn't, certainly didn't reach consensus, but it was, I think it was very healthy for us to wrestle with the the topic and the, the thorny issues of the topic. And, when I came out the other end of it, uh, I actually had a conversation with, with Lyle on this show about it. And, uh, you know, he presented a couple of extra things that I thought, you know what, I didn't think about that in the episode. Yeah, and yeah. to me, it actually like shifted my perspective again, like, like backwards. And so I think one of the things that we are really keen to do is to model when, when we learn new information that we can grow from that information. And so one of the things that we have done in the past is we've drawn back to topics when we have changed right. our, our perspective on them. Right. And because we want to, we want to model that present truth is, is a real thing, yeah. right? You go forward and you learn more. If you, if you have exactly the same perspective on God that you did 10 years ago, there's a pretty good chance that your, you know, your experience is, is stale and you haven't had a real experience with him. That's amazing because that fits in exactly with what we were studying in Hebrews, Hebrews 5, where Paul mm. talks about meat and, and, and milk and meat. Milk. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. We're doing that now. And he's saying, come on, come on. Don't put it on the shelf. Or if you do, take it off the shelf and look at it very, very often, your thoughts yeah. and your process. Um, um, 
It's probably my ministry background, but my I'm a sociologist by nature, uh, by by, mm-hmm. by academic side. So I'm interested, really interested in process. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, Luke, maybe we should maybe maybe we should talk about what your latest discussion is, and then if there's some more time, we can come back and look at this process because I just think this is I'd, so I'd valuable. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd love to. So um, just a, a couple of uh, well, so the most recent one that we released was one that we did on. Um, the what to do with extra biblical authors like we're all if, if you're a believer you're going yep. to a, agree that the bible is the inspired word of god but what we what do we do with all of these other people who write how do we categorize their importance what yes. weight do we give to their testimony yes. and so we what we call the sorry. extra extra canonicals <laughs> yeah yeah well n- not just the extra canonicals in uh, as in like you know apocryphal books and all yes, that but yes. as far as yeah modern as well modern, yeah. modern yep 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 yeah so it was, and that was a great discussion. We actually had a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things. We bought a lot of quotes from authors that we either like or disagree with, and we talked about the filters that we use, the processes that we as individuals use to uh, decide whether we can accept something or reject it. And oh, uh, that was a really fun discussion. That's fascinating. Hey, can you elaborate a little bit further on just what some of that discussion was about around the processes? Yeah. Sure. So, um, like one of the things that I uh, I mentioned from my process of, of evaluating these things is, firstly, when I read it, like does the like is there anything that I intuitively pick up as being out of harmony with my picture of who God is? Right. And if that's the case, they're the things that I'm going to focus on first. So, are those things going to be uh, like you know, is there scripture to support them or reject those claims? Yep. And then sort of I, I progress to if I can say, okay, well, it may not be something that I've seen before, but I can't think of any biblical reason to reject it. Then I'll probably move to thinking about um, chatting to either my friends that I do the podcast with and I'll, I'll talk to people and, and share the viewpoint and get their feedback, see what their experience and what they've studied if it, if it comes across those topics and, and just sort of seeking for wisdom in the community. And so I go through these sort of like uh, realms of process until I will either accept or reject something as, as being true. Oh, I, I, just love, I just love the idea um, that... that that you're, you're spotting the elephant in the room. Um, and if there's, if there's an elephant in the room each time in the conversation, you can actually spot it and say, how are we going to deal with this? So, um, so, so that's the conversation. You, and, and how did the, and, and, and the responses from the other folks, uh, is, is it a learning experience? How, how are you finding yourself growing in all this? Ah, uh, look, there's two primary ways that I would, I would highlight. One is that, when you're in a position where you have to have a conversation like that at this level, I guess you could say each week, yep. you're forced to think much more critically about what you believe. And so I think the quality of my thinking has, has improved considerably. And there are like in the other guys, we all think very differently. You know, like I, for my natural perspective, I am like a creative, strategic kind of person. I, I, I get excited about like business and entrepreneurship. But, and so when I come at, at evangelism, I'm thinking marketing, I'm thinking all of those sort of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but that's very much different to where everybody else is coming at it from. And so, uh, when I talk to them, most of the other guys at the table, they are like heavy analyst kind of people. Yeah. And so they approach things totally differently to the way I do. And so when I sit down at the table with them, their perspective on, on how to interpret a certain passage comes comes off way differently to the way I do. And so, yeah, I learn a lot from that. And the, you, you, the other, sorry, yeah, so yeah. no, keep going, keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, and the other factor that I have found really, uh, really growth uh, promoting for me personally is the fact that I get to 
uh, like what we've started doing over the last year, we, we are inviting people to come into the podcast to, to join the table with us who haven't been there before. And the process of, I guess, getting them up to speed and sort of teaching them how to operate in that environment, especially when they're younger guys, yeah. uh, is like allows me to function in like more of a, a mentorship role yes. in some ways, but also just being their friend. And that is, that has taught me a lot about leadership and, and just, I think Christian maturity in general. Have you, have you folk, um, have you, fo- I'm just thinking now, um, because it's new to me, but I'm, I'm absolutely, you've got me. Um, I, I just, my, my, my teaching background, um, uh, it, it just absorbs this and I, and I love the way you, you, you work through this. Have you, have you, have you done, have you done a, a little conference or something where people can come in and learn some of these, get an understanding of the process that you're dealing with here? Mm. Um, no, no, the only thing that we've done as far as, far as that, um, is we, we did run a live event once, this is before COVID, but we got everybody, uh, like we just uh, made like a, a an event for the region, I guess you could say, and we spent an afternoon and we sort of did like a live recording okay. there with everyone and then broke everyone up into groups and got yep. them to do the same thing. Okay. So yeah, we sort of taught them in that process. Oh, it's a great idea. It's a great. I can just think of reforming Sabbath school classes and just so many areas that that the ability to not have to. A lot of people sit there and say, oh, "We know what the answer is. Let's just get to it." Um, what you're yeah. what you're doing is 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 it's much more inductive um, rather than deductive. Mm. It's 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 engaging and saying, "Hang on." I'm going to make a right hand move here because I need to think of this. I think that's so healthy. So what's what's um, so what's have you got a list of topics still to come up? What's uh, what are you thinking mm. next? Okay, well that's a really good question. We are doing something like for the first time in in years in twenty. What was it? I think it was 2018. We was when we moved to a weekly release schedule, and we haven't missed a single episode since 2018. That's amazing. And um, yeah, it's been it's just been a huge. Uh, you know, thing that we've been working on, which has been great. But what we've realized, or not realized, but we've just been praying about it and we just feel like we could be producing stuff that's even better quality if we were better prepared for it. And so what, what we decided to do is we're going to do an experiment this year. We're going to move to a seasonal release schedule, which is going to let us uh, be more... Uh, what's the looking for? More prepared for and go deeper into each topic. And so our, our first season, we've actually gone on break now for the first time in, in years. Yep. So we're not releasing anything for the next few weeks. We are about to release though, when, when the editing finished, uh, a series on, um, mental health of Bible characters. We're actually oh, we're, we're doing it. We've got a, a friend that is a psychologist yep. and, um, we, he came on as a, as a guest. And so we did a five part season going through diagnosing individual characters. Okay. We did an episode on, on David, an episode on Saul, on yep. Samson, on Job, and, yeah, so that, that's going to be a really fun series that's coming out soon. So. I need to talk to you a bit more, <laughs> not on yes. this one, but a little bit later. We're, we're almost right into the 15 minutes. But, look, thanks so much, and uh, I don't know, if people are hearing this for the first time or how many times, <laughs> mm. for me I'm just thinking we need more of these discussions which help us get into some meaty things about God, about life, about each other. And just thanks for your time this morning. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, good on you. All right, take care then. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.